Hey, welcome to Coasters and Culture, the podcast for RexandTheBeast.com, where we have major thoughts on minor matters. This is The Beast. I'm in Kentucky. On the line with me is Rex, who's in Denver, Colorado. And again, you are listening to the podcast for RexandTheBeast.com. Rex, you on the line with me? I am, buddy, and I am ready to do some talking. We had just an amazing uh, Las Vegas trip, and hopefully we're going to talk about that some, and maybe some of the other uh, amazing things happening in the theme park world today. I don't know, but I am looking forward to it here. we got a lot to talk about. We just came off a great trip, so Rex, let's get into our focus mode. It's time to concentrate, man. I've got to concentrate, concentrate. I've got to concentrate, concentrate. It was my first time to Las Vegas, Sin City. You had been there many times. So I was a little bit, there was some trepidation there as to whether or not I was going to enjoy the experience as a whole, because those who don't know me very well may not know that that isn't necessarily the kind of environment that I thrive in um, for various reasons. And so I was anxious to go. And with you, I knew I was going to have a good time. Rex and the Beast always has a good time together, but uh, we got in the plane. And let me just say from the beginning that the the plane ride to Vegas was a nightmare. Uh, there was turbulence the entire way. The seatbelt light was on the entire flight. I mean, people really couldn't even go to the bathroom. We had like a 20-minute window where the, the captain finally let us go to the bathroom. The landing, we couldn't see anything. Not necessarily the way I wanted to start the trip. And I, I think you had somewhat of a rough flight too, didn't you? Yeah, the flight itself actually wasn't too bad, but the landing, there was uh, pretty rough weather in Vegas on Thursday when we came in, and we basically did not drop out of the clouds until about 50 feet above the runway. And so all of a sudden, you're in the clouds, you're in the clouds, you're in the clouds, and whammo, there you are landing. That's never one of my favorite things. It's not, man. And I've told you this, you know, I've talked to you about this. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast or not, but every year that goes by, I get less and less excited about flying. I, I find myself, my palms actually start sweating a little bit when during takeoff and during landing. And, you know, there's just those moments where the turbulence hits real hard and the plane takes a, a quick jerk and you're just like, whoa, man. I mean, at any moment, you, you know, you know what it reminds me of? Remember the classic vacation movie scene when they're in the 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 bedroom and they got the massage bed going on you put the quarter in the massage bed then you hear you hear you hear that spring you know in the movie the greatest sound effect ever in any movie is like yeah. and then everything yeah. starts shaking like crazy is like at any you're just waiting not to hear that moment when you're in a plane basically because you know as you and i've said a million times when that happens i mean you're going down and that's it i mean there's no getting out of that situation so you know i know it's one in a zillion like air air travel is the safest form of travel or whatever, but I don't know, man, I'm just getting to the place where we're going to have to start going to places where we can drive. <laughs> which is which is really tough with me in Denver, you and uh, you know Louisville. Yeah, near Louisville. yeah. Well, you don't have a problem with it, so basically we got to do everything with uh, in the East Coast, I guess. So anyway, but anyway, apart from that, we get there and we just had, as we've already talked about on a previous podcast, just had this massive list of things to do. David Copperfield, the Big Apple Coaster, uh, the Kiss Show, which was the pinnacle, eating and just checking out Vegas. So let's just take them, man. Let's just real quick recap. I actually wrote an article today on RexandTheBeast.com giving a review of the David Copperfield show. And, you know, Rex, as you and I are always prone to do, 
Um, what we find the most enjoyment in usually in things is not the primary focus of what we should be finding enjoyment in. In this case, Copperfield and his magic. But no, what do you, I, you and I love about the whole experience? The camera guy taking photos for 30 minutes before the show starts because it was Valentine's Day, right? So there's all these couples there. And I just, I've, I can't believe that we saw Joe Pesci taking photographs. Just well, this, it, this was an amazing moment. It really was. And as, as much as I got a real charge out of it, I mean, it was really, really hilarious. Um, I mean, I don't think I, you were just enthralled by it as much as I, was, I enjoyed man. it. I was. I mean, I, mean, the, I mean, the beast was like focusing on every move this guy made. And, and, and I mean, he's beauty. a spitting image. Was he not a spitting image of Joe Pesci? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think, I mean, you may be blowing that a little out of proportion, but let's oh face it. Gosh, was, I should have taken is, a photo of the guy. He is a small Italian dude, there's no doubt. And he did have the Joe Pesci feel going. He had the suit on. I mean, yeah, I mean, no doubt. But, but there is no doubt that you're not overplaying his his attitude about the picture taking. I mean, it was unbelievable to watch the guy and we had the great, uh, you know, wonderfulness of a couple sitting right next to us. And so he comes over to right next to us to take a shot of this couple. And this guy's got the little hand movements about how to get your head and move your head, but he doesn't just do it once. I mean, he does it like a dozen times until it is exactly the way he wants it. It was just a thing of beauty to watch. It really was. It was unbelievable. I mean, Rex, he he put more into this than professional portrait photo, you know, photographers. I I have never seen anything like it. It is things like that that catch my attention. I I love it when people take what maybe anybody else would consider to be just a mundane pre-show garbage thing. You know, this is akin basically to you walking into a theme park and getting photographs at the port of entry or something. These people don't care. I mean, they're going to try to make you have a good time. It's not like they're sizing you up for 30 minutes to make sure you're exactly in the right place because they're thinking they're never going to buy this anyway. This guy, I mean, it wasn't just, it was per picture a little bit more to the left. Okay. Now move your head. Okay. Down, down just a little. All right. Now move your hand, put your hand on top of hers. I could, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it really did set the show up just for beauty. I have so many questions about this guy. Is he there every show? I mean, is this just, is this dude a, just a part of the David Copperfield magic show? Is this just for some reason he was there for one night for Valentine's day? What do you think? I think he's there every day. I mean, I mean, again, obviously there may be different, different photographers, different times on his days off and that sort of thing. But I think this is the dude's job because I think they take pictures every show because that's an additional revenue stream there. So yeah, I think he's there four or five days a week. And let me tell you something. If I was there, I might just go hang out, uh, you know, just to look in and watch him take pictures next time rather than see Copperfield's magic because the guy is unbelievable. Um, well, you actually and- said at one point, how, how much can we pay this guy? just to have him hang out with us for a day i mean he was he was that good i mean he's so funny yeah it it was really an immobile and that was the first really the first major thing that we had on the agenda and so we got the trip started off with an amazing bang there so yeah yeah we sure did so copperfield you know we knew this going in that the theater was small and it was uh i'm i'm still surprised and really somewhat in awe i talk a lot about this on my article uh, of just of the intimacy of the theater, uh, even Penn and Teller and some of these other guys 
who do not have near the worldwide fame and legacy of Copperfield, their theaters are much larger than Copperfield's. I'm assuming that's by design. That's how he wants it. Uh, but but it left for me an interesting uh, you know, juxtaposition, I guess, for lack of a better word. On the one hand, it was awfully cool, wasn't it, to be so close to Copperfield? I mean, at one point, we could literally reach out our hand and touch him. He was right next to us performing a trick. And so that's obviously awesome. On the other hand, you know, man, there's just something about it when you see, when you have this larger than life character that you've watched on TV, made the Statue of Liberty disappear, walk through the Great Wall of China. You know, he's he's gone over Niagara Falls, all of this stuff, and then here he is, like right up your nose. It 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 tends in some ways to detract a little bit from the hugeness of the persona because there he is. Oh, this is just another man. This is just another human. Which, in some ways, that's nice to know that you know there's no superhumans or anything out there. But on the other hand, for the aura of magic and the mystique of this particular entertainer, it left me with a strange, happy but sad feeling that that really took that, that was there the the entire night. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and, and and I we talked a little bit about this at the time that they. Copperfield, for all of his greatness as a basic magician and, you know, sleight of hand and all that, that kind of stuff of which he is, you know, great, one of the all-time greats and all that stuff, he made his, his bones as far as being who he is at the greatest illusions ever, the big illusions. You know, I mean, that's, that's where he made – he didn't get become super famous – by doing street magic like David Blaine or somebody. He get, became mm-hmm. famous, just as you said, making the Statue of Liberty disappear, um, You know, uh, walking through the Great Wall of China, doing all of these huge, huge, bigger-than-life uh, type, um, type of illusions. And at some level, as you say, that I think detracted from his overall sort of credibility as a magician sometimes. But – which is crap. I mean, I Which mentioned that in my right. – Yeah, Absolutely. that's crap. Not yeah. true in the least, but I'm just saying for the average person, they think of him in that regard only. That's right. That's and, right. And, and so I, I feel like almost this is one of those which happens in a lot of people's lives, no matter what they are. This is a later in life, a bit of a return to what it was – that of who you are and what you do. Granted, there's still a few major illusions for sure that were unbelievable and were great, but it was much more like uh, a magic show that we could probably find three or four others on the strip at least that were very similar as to what was being done. And that is, I think, the part that kind of makes you feel feel that way is 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 the way I can tie it to a similar statement I made to you uh, when we were looking at something else in Las Vegas. And that's when we went down and looked at the Caesar Palace fountains. We went down and looked at the fountains where uh, um, there was the great Evil Knievel jump, the famous jump. Uh, and we went down and looked at them. And Evil Knievel, someone else that his entire life was built upon being larger than life, you know, not right, just right. another man. And when you said, right here is where he came across, right? My initial reaction to you was, wait a minute, didn't he go this way? When in reality, going the other way, it's like 400 feet, you know, right, it was, a, right. it was a ridiculous. I mean, it was never, it would never in a million years been jumped back then, but the idea of going over that just basic 
quote unquote, part of the fountain at first to me, well, that didn't seem right because this was the greatest, you know, motorcycle jumper of all time. And this was one of the greatest jumps of all time. And now that you're standing there looking at the fountain, it's like, well, that's not that big. And so there are these moments for people that have built their reputation on larger than life things that when you are standing right up against it, it's hard to stay with that. And, um, and so I do understand what you're saying. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I had the same experience with the fountains. I, you know, I knew the jump wasn't that far, 140 feet or whatever it is, but that was, this was in like 69. He was riding a heavy, super heavy. This wasn't a, a, a racing right. bike. It was a, you know, as a Harley Davidson XL or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, so it was just, and of course the most famous jump of all time and he missed it, <laughs> right? Right, he, didn't, right? he didn't even make the jump, almost killed him. So that's exactly right. The same exact thing. That's what I left Copperfield. Uh, the magic was great. We knew it was going to be great. He had a couple of illusions that truly were breathtaking. It was fun to see him do the floating rose. Uh, that's a trick that I've done a million times. And then you watch Copperfield do it and you're like, Oh, well, there's the way it's really supposed to be done, you know, because he's, he's, he truly is a slide of hand genius, even though he doesn't get credit for that much anymore. I linked in my article an illusion he did or a, a trick he did on YouTube that's all slide of hand using cards. And it's just it's as good as anything you're going to see any magician do. But he made his name with the big illusion. So anyway, I'm so happy we went. I mean, it was a great experience. I got to see the legend. It was nice to get a little feedback from him on Twitter. That was fun. So I'll Everything went off to a great, great start with David Copperfield. If you're in Vegas, I, I certainly recommend you go see the show uh, because, you know, he's a living legend. He's, he's not going to be with us forever. Well, and just let me say one of my favorite all-time uh, anecdotes or stories about Copperfield from a few years ago, um, maybe more than a few now, I'm not sure. I think it was just three, five years ago, something like that, was uh, you want to talk about sleight of hand and you are under the gun literally uh, trying to do it was, if you'll recall, when um, he was held up by a, uh, uh, a guy on the street. You remember this? Do you remember yeah. when this happened? Yeah. And he's held up by a guy on the street and using sleight of hand, he's like, I don't have anything on me, baby. No wallets, no anything. The guy checks him out, whatever. He's like, oh, get the hell out of here. Uh, and uh, the guy goes and I'll be darned. You know, he just, he had his wallet. He had all of this money on him, but he he somehow managed to take it out and get it out of the way without the guy knowing. <laughs> so incredible. I mean, it's just a classic thing, right? I mean, it's just like you're dri- if you're evil Knievel, you're driving down the road on a motorcycle and there's a car wreck in front of you, and so you have to leap a hundred feet. And I mean, I mean, how often does that happen when you get to use what it is you're doing? So anyway, it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite things. So. Oh man, this is so funny. All right, well, let's move on then. Um you know, we just really briefly talk about the room. Um, we stayed at the Vidara. We were on the 54th floor of the Hotel Condor uh, at the Vidara. And we just, it was just a, a truly stunning room. I mean, you know, I don't spend much time on this, but we had a, uh, a beautiful panoramic view of, of downtown Vegas. We were literally looking right at the Bellagio Fountains, which are pretty famous. And uh, at night, it was just absolutely gorgeous. So nothing but good things to say. A little shout out to Vidara. Thank you for uh, the, the nice room. And uh, I don't know, I, at some point, maybe I guess we'll be back. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the experience at the, at the hotel. Yeah, I did. I did too. And, and I actually hope we do get back sometime because I feel like there's other things we can do there and have a, um, have a good time. Uh, we by no means got to experience the entire uh, strip experience and the entire uh, uh, sort of amusement park 
rides that are on the strip. So we have some things you have to do, but uh, maybe not high on the list. But one of these days, uh, maybe we'll get back there. Yep. So let's highlight some coasters then. We went to the Big Apple in New York, New York, which by the way, I love New York, New York. I, just a really neat uh, feel to it. We ate some of the best pizza I've ever eaten. This big, huge slice of mushroom pizza was great. Uh, but we're going to go ride the coaster, which we talked about. We knew we were going to do that. And you were amazed because apparently this is the most people you've ever seen in line for the Big Apple coaster. This is, of course, you have to pay to ride the coaster, which feels weird. We're not used to that. But it was packed, man. I mean, everybody's pumped up about the Big Apple Coaster. You were surprised about that, weren't you? I was surprised. I posted a quick uh, video on Twitter while we were there talking about it because, you know, I've, I've ridden it, I don't know, half a dozen times or something. Um, and I've never been there when there has been a line. I mean, maybe I've been there when there's, you know, one train's worth of lines or something. But, I mean, we were there. It was it was back and forth, back and forth, all the way back to where you pay pretty much i have never ever ever seen that and and we let's and let's face it that was on a friday afternoon uh that we were there so it's not like it was uh, a saturday now granted it was a holiday weekend uh president's day weekend but uh i was blown away blown away by the crowd but i was very excited for you to try this um this was your first vr coaster ever right that you had ever done the vr yep, um, yep. and and you know certainly hard to pick a crappier coaster to try it out on. Um, but that being said, I still find it pretty fun, uh, pretty fun in a relative sense. And I enjoyed it. I did the different one than what I did last time I was there. This time we did the monsters last time I had done the aliens. Um, but I enjoyed it again. I thought it made what is a very, very bad to somewhat mediocre coaster actually almost good. Um, but what were your, what was your experience there? You know, what was interesting about the VR being on the coaster is uh, when you're at the top of the lift hill and it's like a monster grabbed our cab and was, you know, like lifting us up. That's what it looked like in the virtual reality as we're going up the lift hill. You know, I had to, I had to remind myself, this is not a simulator. I guess normally when you have something, you're looking at a screen of some kind, normally you're in a simulator kind of experience. It's going to feel like you're going down but you know you're not really going down. You're just in a you're just in a ride vehicle that's in a theater or something. But no, I'm on. A, you're on a roller coaster, so you're actually getting ready to drop 90 feet or whatever it is in this particular coaster. So that was kind of a, a surreal experience because you can't see anything except what's in the the headset. The virtual reality obviously was not great, especially compared to another experience we did. We'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, but but yeah, it was unique. I mean, it was fun. I I don't I don't think I'm going to be one though who's going to to prefer VR experience on coasters as opposed to just the coaster itself. I, I guess I'm enough of a purist that there's something about, um, you know, seeing the track and, and experiencing the coaster as it is that probably is going to lend itself more to my enjoyment than, than a virtual reality. But it was good to experience it. You know, I think they have this also at uh, Fun Spot, don't they, on their coaster, their wooden coaster? Don't they have? The- I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, and, and, and I am a big believer in, I think I tweeted about this as well. I am a big believer that the VR is, is a better addition on a bad coaster yeah. than it is on a good coaster. Because I agree with you. I, I don't want to... I don't want to waste the experience of a good coaster and the whatever doing that, but on a bad coaster, it gives it a little extra something. And, and to me, that's, that's potentially a good thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think it did. I think it did. I mean, I had fun. It was fun. And you know, people really 
destroy this coaster. It's definitely not a good roller coaster, but the context is kind of neat. I mean, you're literally right in the middle of the strip of Las Vegas and you're on a roller coaster. So that in and of itself, you know, gives it a little, it, it gives it, it gives it that little, that little twist, you know? Yeah, Just, and, <laughs> that's right. And that's all, that's all you can hope for there. I mean, right inside a hotel, right in a, um, you know, in a strip of uh, Las Vegas, you know, it's all right. It's okay. Um, but it's okay. By no means it's okay. You marked it. It's, it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. But it's by no means the best uh, thing we did on our trip. Matter of fact, it's probably the lowest of the things we did on our trip. But I still am glad we did it. So. Yeah, man. Great experience. So let's let's compare that to the virtual reality experience that uh, we went to over at uh, Venetian, I guess it was, something called The Void. Uh, in in this particular place, you had was it two or three options? It was the Star Wars option, Nicodemus, which is what we did. Did they have Ralph and breaks Ra- the internet Wreck-It as well? Ralph. Yeah, Wreck-It they Ralph. had Wreck-It Ralph as well. Yep. Yeah, so so three options. We of course went the horror option, which is Nicodemus. Uh, this was recommended to us by Seth Kaberski, so thank you for the recommendation. Um, so we, you know, we got in this thing. We uh, mortgaged our house in order to pay for it, and got in line, signed all the uh, you know. Con- consent that if we die or whatever, you know, we're not going to sue, which would be hard to do if you're dead, but nevertheless, it's okay. Uh, we pick our characters and, and off we go, uh, you know, <clears throat> without getting into just too much nauseating detail on this, I'll, I'll make two comments on this. Number one, this is the best virtual reality I've ever seen. I think hands down. Um, and number two, it was scary. Uh, there were, there were, there were truly moments of genuine fear, uh, in the experience, because what are you going to do? You've got really nowhere to go. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're at the mercy of the virtual reality when it can do anything it wants to you. It can show you anything it wants, whenever it wants, it can go from pitch black to sudden bursts of light. And, and you have no control over that. Uh, and it, and it was really, really well done. So, uh, we're moving with the virtual reality. We're walking, we're taking steps, we're going over planks, we're moving things. Uh, I loved it, man. And I'm excited to try maybe the Star Wars one now that we have a little bit better feel of what we're doing. Yeah, me too. Me too. And of course, there is one of these in Orlando. So a lot of our listeners from uh, the Florida area may very well have uh, have done this in Orlando. Um, but I agree with you. It, 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 I was not really expecting to really be scared at some point. And I also agree with you that something that I think you said immediately afterwards, which is as far as scares go, there were a couple of more scares in the Nicodemus virtual reality there than really there are in the HHN houses in Universal because of of its nature and um, because of of how – just the concept, like you say, you've got nowhere to go and the VR is so good and they really have just done a great job comparing it to something that did not get great reviews. Although we enjoyed it, the repository a few years ago at HHN. I mean, this is leaps and bounds ahead. And for anyone that doesn't know, you move through, you actually move. You don't just stand there like you did in the repository by, and and, I mean, and you move through it and I, I, I have nothing but positive things to say. I can't wait to do another one. Next trip that we have to Orlando, I fully expect us to go do the Star Wars one. Um, I loved it. I loved it. 
Yeah, and it gives you a sense of where this could actually go because you're right. The repository we thought was really cool at the time, and it was. I mean, there were there were elements of problem solving and whatnot, which we failed miserably at. But in this one, you you got the VR headset on. It looks fantastic, and you have to move. You have to go. You have to do things, solve riddles and whatnot. Uh, so it just gives you a glimpse of the possibilities of this technology for the future in ways that we probably aren't even thinking of yet. Uh, it's it's going to be a game changer. So really excited about it. The level at which this could even get scarier is, I think, will be unprecedented. So people who may think I never get scared in a haunted house, this may be an opportunity for you to actually experience some scares as they continue to tweak and strengthen uh, the virtual reality. Be interesting to see, man, if Halloween Horror Nights ever picks up on this in some ways. You know. Yeah, it'll be it will be interesting to see where the technology gets to and what they're able to do because there there are amazing opportunities there. I completely agree. Well, let's let's review real quick the main reason we went to Las Vegas, which is of course the Kiss show, Into the Road tour. Kiss has been touring for forty five years, I think it is something like that, and uh, this is their last ever tour. At least that's what they say, uh, and we were able to see them perform in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, Rex, wow. You know, you and I were both concerned. We've been talking a good bit about all of the uh, backing track vocals and lip syncing and, you know, they just don't have it anymore and it's going to be, you know, diminishing crowds and all this kind of stuff. Well, T-Mobile Arena was, for all intents and purposes, sold out. The crowd was a good crowd. Kiss sounded as good as I've ever heard them in terms of musical performance. I've seen them, I think, now nine times. Nine times. You know, you know, you really, you know, who nine was times? absent nine times? Nine, nine times. times. Yeah. Well, I've seen them what three or four times with you. I've seen yeah. them three or four times with uh, Aaron Hagee, who was uh, of Judah first. Uh, I saw them once with Melissa. And Andy, yeah, it's it's up there. It's up around nine times. Yeah, I guess I'm at six-ish. So, yep. Yeah. Um, but they sounded great. Was was Paul singing the backing tracks? Probably, but certainly not exclusively. Definitely not. I mean, the dude was singing. No. Yeah, yeah no, no doubt. He did much better than we ever thought he could do. Um, clearly, there he was using some backing tracks in some places, um, but – a hundred times better than I ever expected from seeing some of his live singing over the last year or two. Right. Um, so uh, how, whether he can hold that together through the whole tour or not, I have no idea. But for now, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Probably I enjoyed it as much as any concert of theirs I've been to since we went to the um, – Whatever it was called, that the the tour. What was their tour called? The reunion, they, reunion they, tour. They, was was it called the reunion tour? Yeah. Uh, when they came back together back in whatever it was, ninety six. You know, yeah. um, so I I I loved it. Thought it was great, and I I I had no negative whatsoever. Thought the set list was great. Thought the vocals were great. The music was unbelievable. The show itself was great. The crowd was great. It was just an amazing show. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've got nothing bad to say about it. Gene sounded great. They're all playing wonderful. Uh, The energy was there. Um, Just an unforgettable experience. We were on the floor. We were right next to the backstage where Paul flies out over Love Gun. I mean, we were 25 feet from Paul Stanley during the Love Gun and I was made for loving you performance. Nothing but good things to say. I'm I'm thrilled for them. Uh, The Los Angeles Forum was sold out. 
Uh, they were sold out last night in uh, Texas. And so I was really concerned that the tour was not going to sell well because of all of the singing issues and that there's not Ace and Peter and all this kind of stuff. Well, nope, they're selling out 14, 15, 16,000 seat arenas. Uh, pretty unbelievable, man, to be doing this 40 some years later. Just, just crazy. Just crazy. So yep. great show and a great trip, man. A great trip. A great trip. Yeah, absolutely great. What's next for Rex and the beast.com? Well, Rex, you're heading down to Orlando, aren't you? Pretty soon. I am. I am. A a week, uh, not a week, a month from today, I will be flying to Orlando. Um, we are going on a family Disney cruise, so I'll be flying into Orlando and immediately driving to Cape Canaveral to uh, to jump on the uh, uh, the Disney fantasy, I believe. I believe I'm on the fantasy this time. The fantasy, um, just a quick three-night uh, three uh, cruise, so we'll be hitting Castaway Key and uh, uh, the Bahamas. And then when we get back, we're coming over, going to Universal Studios. We're going to try out the Jurassic Park suite. First time we've uh, ever done that, Jurassic World suite, I guess, technically. Um, so I can't wait to tell you and uh, the listeners how that is uh, because it looks amazing. Um, so we're pretty excited, pretty excited. And if the weather holds up, my uh, kids are really pumped to go to Volcano Bay, B, so we may get another shot of Volcano Bay to at least talk about it uh, after our last Yeah, trip. yeah, yeah, man. Just be careful with that one slide because that's a doozy. That's a doozy coming down. But if I go if I go on that slide again, I'm wearing headphones. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah exactly right. Exactly right. Well, listen, man, that's going to wrap it up for today with Coasters and Culture. We've talked about KISS. We've talked about David Copperfield. We've talked about the Big Apple Coaster. We've talked about virtual reality in the void. And we've talked about the General Vegas experience, including airfare, flying, and uh, all kinds of great stuff. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, what, what am I doing next? I think the next thing that I'm doing in terms of amusement is something called Dinosaur World. Uh, my youngest, Eli, is a is a dinosaur fanatic. And so we're going to go to Dinosaur World close to Mammoth Cave here in Kentucky, which actually has great reviews. So we'll see how that goes. We'll take a bunch of pictures. and sure. I mean, it's not going to be as good as Dinosaurs Alive, but uh, well, no, nothing, nothing, nothing can match, can that. match that. Nothing can match that. So and if you don't know what we're talking about, check out our Dinosaurs Alive video at YouTube at Rex and the Beast. Hey, man, speaking, you should become a subscriber, shouldn't they? Rex, because we're running out of room. We're yeah, we've got room for a few more. <laughs> we have for, for so, a few more. But run, don't walk, because you don't want to lose your spot at the subscriber list for YouTube. All right. Well, until next time, this is the Beast saying, be strong and courageous. RexandTheBeast.com. Join the journey. <laughs>